Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Sam. Uh, uh, Sam might be joining the looking for a job list if he keeps that one up. No, I, ki I kid. <laughs> the 30-something the age group is always the um, interesting definition of young adults because there, there are some like who fit young adults for a lot longer than, than some others and I, I feel like kids is a, a uh, accurate definition for kids I have if uh, you're a little bit newer and um, not familiar with the crowd that uh, our kids church is currently trying to handle while most of the kids church are either away on holidays or um, you know otherwise occupied because it's the middle of summer holidays uh, and so whenever anyone's like why why have we always got like a, a limited supply of kids church leaders and i think it might actually be because i contribute four and i can't help in kids church <laughs> so they're already really outnumbered uh, but they do a great job um, and they'll be having fun today i think they uh, the older ones are going down the park so uh, it's looking good for the holiday program with kids as well if you've got families with kids don't be afraid to bring them we uh we do most of the time have a kids <laughs> kids team ready no they they have a great time and so um we know um my girls have been bringing a few friends along and um there's been a few new kids around and they're really enjoying it so if you know someone that's looking for something to do and their life is a little bit quieter at the moment um invite them along to church it's actually amazing how um we kind of get into the run of things and uh, I, I chat with people sometimes and, um, and they'll have come across someone that literally like invites themselves to church. Have you ever had that happen? Like, cause, and you're like, I actually didn't ever think to invite them. Like, we, we can just get caught up in the fact that we go every week and you don't think about it all the time. But um, I make a habit during the week of just considering who I might be able to invite, who from church hasn't been around that I might be able to contact and, uh, and just getting in touch with people to invite them along. And if um, going into 2018, we want to build a strong church. Like we love being the family church that we are, where, you know, we can come and we know that we're going to see people that we know and, and, and everything's going to be, you know, how we are used to it being. But if we want to be able to do more of what we talk about doing, more of the helping, more of the, you know, being present in our community, then we need to be a strong church going forward. And part of that is by inviting others to get on board with what we get to do. It's a privilege that we get to serve our community. It's a privilege that we are recognised in our community as a place where services like Centrelink will refer people to us for help. How incredible is that? That people who are not Christians will actually ring up the church and ask how we might be able to help someone that they know. That they recognise the church is a place where someone can reach out to and find what they need. And so uh, I think it's amazing that we can do that, but we want to do more of that. And I think it's amazing that we get to do that. But part of our vision, what we talk about every service when we end with our benediction and we talk about how uh, 
those that um, we're able to speak to, where it says that um, God brings beauty for ashes and, and oil of joy replaces mourning, that the broken and the lost are healed and restored, it then says that they become oaks of righteousness. We say this every week. Because we've known it in our lives and we want to see other people get to know it in their lives. And so we want to invite other people into that. Um, So it's not just for us to keep to ourselves. Amen? We're quiet because we're few this morning, but it's good. I'm going to read from Isaiah 60. Not our usual Isaiah 61. This morning. Have you ever felt like the lights have been switched on? You know when you figure something out and it all falls into place and suddenly you're like, why did I not see that before? The lights were out. You know when you think, so the other night we were trying, there was this noise in our house and we could not figure out what the noise was. Have you ever, like, it's like dark, we're sort of watching TV, getting to about the time we're about to go to bed. So most of the lights are out, the kids are asleep. And, like, the dog is in view. So I know it's not the dog, but it kind of sounds like an animal sneezing. And so, I'm like, so I keep checking on the kids. We go into the kids' room, but then we hear the noise. And it's not in the kids' room. And so we hear this, like, shh kind of noise. And we go back. It's not the dog. Was it the kids? Go back. It's not the kids. Switch on all the lights. And there's this upside-down giant spider toy that Tom has been given for Christmas that's like running into the wall. And so every time it goes straight into the wall, it was making the noise without the lights. He had no idea what was going on. But you know, like when you turn the lights on, you can figure it all out. I remember when I became a Christian and it was kind of a slow process for me, like probably give you a rough two-year date. But I do remember some points in that time where there was a revelation and understanding or something that, awoke in me it was like the lights came on I remember the first time I was at a worship service so I remember this time that I was at a service and I'd been in church a little while going along as a skater that got to skate for free in the skate park and and uh, so I'd sit up the back and mostly kind of throw stuff at people or make so much noise that the people would turn around and look at you weird and uh, but I'd been in church a few times and I'd started going along to some of the things with the youth leaders. And they, w- they took us along to this worship service. It was like part of a promotion for Planet Shakers. They were like traveling around. They came over here to promote the conference that was over east. And so I went along. But I remember in that space, and I guess it was because I was no longer with all my skater friends. I don't think it had anything to do with the band being different. I mean, my church had a great band at the time. And, you know, I think it was just going into a different environment. But something about being in a different space, I remember actually feeling the presence of God in a way that was real. And it was like the lights came on. It was like I realized that this God wasn't just something that they talked about. It was something that they experienced wasn't just something that the preacher understood, but it was something that we could all come to understand. And I remember leaving that place, and uh, I'll never forget one of the youth leaders that was there from another youth group but that I knew through friends who said, you look different when I was leaving. Something like the lights turning on. This is what this verse makes me think of. 
And it's actually a verse that sometimes gets related to Christmas or the arrival of Jesus in the world. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters will be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because of the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you, and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. See, I felt like I knew what that verse meant that day that I first felt the presence of God. So much so that when it says, then you shall see and be radiant, I feel like it was so much so that the person that I was speaking to, that youth leader, could see that something had happened. Arise, shine, for your light has come, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. When we encounter God, who comes to us and reaches us, reaches into our lives in ways that are real, in ways that are unexpected, in ways that we never saw coming. When we encounter God in a real way, it's like the lights have turned on. And not only will you know the difference, but people around you will know the difference in you. For darkness shall cover the earth, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Because no matter what the world looks like, no matter what is going on around you, no matter what your life situation is, when the glory of the Lord is revealed in you, when the glory of the Lord is over you, it's like the lights turn on. There's another verse, it follows on and it gets a little old school because we have to remember that this was actually written, uh, it was 8th century Isaiah and so this is 800 years before Jesus is even like born into the world. So it is a little old school. It says, a multitude of camels shall appear to you and young camels of Midian and Ephah all of those from Sheba will come to you and they will bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. So it's talking about leaders of faraway places. The names of those places would have been familiar to the readers of Isaiah, that they were far away places, not familiar to them. Places where the people were very different. It says that they will come to you because of what's been revealed to you. It says they, sh- they shall bring gold and frankincense and proclaim the praise of the Lord. That sounds a bit familiar if you've been hanging around a few Christmas carol events over the last couple of months. If you've read the story of the birth of Jesus or, or seen those cool Christmas pictures where you see the kings riding in on camels with their three gifts 
gold and frankincense, definitely in there. Sounds familiar, right? So this is 800 years before Jesus is born, but it's a prophecy about the birth of Jesus. It's a prophecy that Matthew reflects on as he records this story about the Magi from the East that come to bring gifts to Jesus. They don't just bring gold and frankincense, they bring three gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. And so there's a couple of things I want to tell you about these three gifts that are bought because Jesus has been born into the world, because it speaks to us who recognize the appearance of Jesus in the world, means that we have encountered God. When we are choosing to follow Jesus, when we recognize that he has been made real in our lives, it causes us to want to bring something of ourselves to God, or it should And these three things speak to us about what we can bring as people who otherwise would be far away from God. If it wasn't for the appearance of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ in the world, we too would be like people estranged from the people of God. We would be far away from Him. But because a light has come into the world, we're drawn to the light and it asks of us, to bring of our life, like these leaders, the magi, the wise men, whatever what every different version or, or story calls them, just like they bought their gifts, what they had. Don't let it escape you, by the way, that this story talks about three... Uh, astrologers, basically. The Magi were those that um, would, uh, another word for, was that they, they were astrologers they, um, and that they were guided by a star. So these who looked to the star actually found Jesus. And I think sometimes we decide how God can appear to people how he can reveal himself to people. And, and don't get me wrong here, I'm not advocating or, or um, saying that we should get involved in astrology or those sort of things because those things lead us away from God. It, like there's various verses that warn against doing those things that actually mean that we're trying to work things out in our own strength outside of asking God. But what I do know and what, the word reveals to us is that God often encounters us in our own mess and wherever we're at or however we, we see Jesus encounter people in such different ways, even heal the same ailment different ways for different people because God is a God that knows how to meet us but we're so quick often to put God in a box that we want to say how people should find him. This story, if I jump from the Isaiah one into the Matthew one, that talks about the gold, frankincense and myrrh actually speak not just about gifts that we bring, but also about who Jesus is and can be to us. And so the two are connected. So I just want to draw a few lines between uh, or, or show you what those things represent because they weren't just gifts of good value. 
They weren't just the most expensive things that uh, the the, they could think of bringing at that time. These weren't just uh, written down um, as like the as representing, you know, high value. They actually each represent things that are important in the gospel. And so we see gold, frankincense, and myrrh representative of the three offices of Christ. So uh, gold being what we would naturally even associate with a king. Crown, we sing it in the carols. You know, it would crown him king. Gold will crown him again. You know, all those uh, lines in the, uh, in the traditional carols that we sing, as gold represents the office of king, that Jesus came to be king. Frankincense rep- represents the priesthood. Frankincense was used in the temple in times of prayer where the priest would offer up um, prayers for uh, various things. Frankincense was what was burned in that time. Frankincense is associated with that prayer and presence and with the office of priest where the Bible says that Jesus came to be high priest, mediator between God and man. And the third one, myrrh. And I found it interesting that the prophecy doesn't speak of myrrh, but the prophecy ends with they shall bring gold and frankincense and proclaim the praise of the Lord. I spoke earlier in the year about what the praise of the Lord was in Isaiah. actually talks about grace and mercy being the praise of the Lord, as in we will praise God because of his grace and mercy. Our praises rise because that is who he is. It says they'll proclaim the praise of the Lord. What myrrh represents is the office of prophet. The prophet's often anointed a new king and what they anointed the new king with would have been oil of myrrh. And so this third gift represents that which Jesus came to do in speaking to the new way things were going to be. And so instead of proclaiming the praise of the Lord, he actually was all that we would praise. He fulfilled that which the old prophecy predicted and so this third gift represents all of that. And so there are three things that this then requires of us. The gold that makes him king, it's of value, it requires cost from us. To carry the kingdom is going to require something of us that costs. It's of great value. To make him king in our life. The word says that we need to count the cost. To honour him as king, it means that it will take something of sacrifice from us. To make him priest in our life. It requires of us that we spend time in his presence. 
in prayer. Like all that that frankincense represents, it requires that we actually spend time in communion with God. So if we're to encounter Jesus and honour him like we see this story represent the kings that came from afar to honour the baby Jesus, if we're to encounter the God who's been revealed to us and made real in our lives, then we spend time in prayer and in his presence. Immer's an interesting one because outside of anointing used by the prophets, there's another use for myrrh. The other use for myrrh was in embalming oils. And if we're going to follow the call of Jesus and all that he spoke into being, it requires, like he said, that we would take up our cross and follow him. It will require of us to lay down our lives, to put to death the old nature, to come to him in repentance and be able to lay down all that was holding us back from him so that we can then declare the praise of his glory so that our lives then reflect who he is. So if we want to be, maybe not wise men from the east, but maybe wise men from the west, wise women from the west, if we want to make Jesus king, honour him as all of that which the story that we so often tell speaks of, then it's going to require of these things from us. We need to be not only hearers but doers of the word. We can hear this story and recognise who Jesus is, but what it requires of us is more than just hearing and knowing. It requires of us to recognise what's wrong with the world and be part of making it right. It requires of us to put others before ourselves. To be able to lay down that which isn't right in our life, ask for forgiveness and walk a different way. It requires of us to be continually in his presence and willing to be challenged by his word. Like those who travelled great distances to come and honour him in the story that we read about, we should be willing to go to great lengths to honour the God who's been revealed to us. Because there was a great darkness, but then a light was turned on. If you're a follower of Jesus in this place, then a light has been switched on. Where is it leading? What is it showing you? What is God calling you to? We don't just leave it at that. We don't just hear about a king. They didn't just hear in their land that a king had been born. 
But they went. And they bought gifts. We don't just hear that a light has come and recognize that it's good for others. But we've got to ask, what does it reveal in us that God wants to make right? So this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand for a moment. Just close your eyes and consider what was it like that moment the lights came on? And maybe if you're in a place where you feel far from God, go back to that day. What did God show you? Where was he leading you? Where is he leading you today? Because while we might feel far, he's never far from us. While we might feel we have a great distance to go, he's already covered all the distance that needed to be covered. When he stepped down from heaven into earth, he covered the greatest distance so that we could know him. So no matter how far you feel, how distracted you are, how much disappointment or difficulty has come your way. We have a choice today to set our eyes on him, to choose to bring our best again, to see what the light has revealed and give our all to go the way that he calls us. To give our all to serve others to give our all to be the church that he's calling us to be. If you feel to this morning, I'm just going to pray, but if you feel to lift your hands in surrender to him, as I pray that we would bring our best to him and that he would reveal to us Not just who he is, but who he's calling us to be. Precious Jesus, you were sent into the world so that we could know you. Would you reveal to us more of yourself and more of who you're calling us to be? God, give us strength to lay down what we need to, leave behind what we need to. We repent, we ask for forgiveness, God. That we haven't always done it your way that we haven't always seen what is wrong around us and tried to make it right, that we haven't always recognized what's going wrong in us and tried to do what's right. 
that we haven't always loved others as you first loved us, that we haven't always forgiven or shown grace the way that you have shown us. Help us to see more of you and be more of who you're calling us to be. Help us to make you king, to recognize you as the one we need to go to in times of need, to seek you in prayer and spend time in your presence and hear from you how the world can be made right. Hear from you how we can be restored and healed. Lead us. Let us see your light, that the world would see your light in us. Amen. As we come to share communion, this is the beginning. It's like the first step of us revealing to the world who he is. Because as we can all come around a table and share together, as we can all join as one, then we represent who he is and the kind of world that he's looking for us to be. When we are able to come and forgive, when we're able to leave our differences behind. You know, I, I love the picture of the wedding feast, of, of the kingdom of God being like this long table that everyone is welcome at. And our job as Christians is like when we've had an event here at the church and, and we put out all the tables and, and people just keep turning up and so we quickly have to set another table and add more chairs. I kind of see our role as Christians in the world as being the ones that are supposed to be setting the table and, and put, adding more chairs and, and making room for more people. And so we come together and share a meal together that represents, that speaks to that. Because if we can't welcome one another and join with one another, how are we ever going to be able to do that for the rest of the world? So we choose to do that today in obedience to what Jesus has called us to. We choose to do that out of what he's already done in us. We choose to do that so that we as a church, we as a people, will be able to make room for more. So that God can do the work in us that he needs to. So this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have a little you who have been here often and you who have just come for the first time. 
you who have tried to follow Jesus, you who have failed in following Jesus, and you who have just decided to follow Jesus today, come. Let nothing keep you from love's feast. Let nothing empty this table of its power. Leave judgment behind and receive mercy. Leave indifference behind and recognize God's family. Leave now, if necessary, go and be a forgiver and run back because it is the Lord who invites us. It is God's will that those who desire Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit would encounter him here. So come.